0: This episode of Film Frenzy contains spoilers for Mystic River. Consider this your
1: spoiler warning.
0: Hi, I'm Brooke.
1: And I'm Tom.
0: And welcome to another Film Frenzy Friday. Uh, This week we are doing Mystic River from the year 2003, directed by Clint Eastwood, uh, with a runtime of 2 hours and 18 minutes, Um, starring such as Sean Penn, Kevin Bacon, uh, Tip Robbins, Laura Linney, uh, Marcia Gay Harden, Lawrence Fishburne, Emmy Rossum, um, and some other people as well. Um, anybody important I'm missing there?
1: Um, no, I think uh, one of the top people, though, in my opinion, is um, Tom Geary. because oh, yeah. he played he played Lil Scotty from uh, The Sandlot. You know, oh, did he, he really? A, yes, when he was a real little kid.
0: This episode, we're going to do something a little bit more fun, I'd say. Um, it was kind of implied a little bit at the end of last week's episode, but... We have a special guest.
1: A very special guest.
0: Yes, very special guest. Um, It is my mom. (laughs) And uh, this is her favorite movie. It's been her favorite movie for a very long time. So naturally, when um, we decided that we were going to do Mystic River, I said, you are not allowed to not be on the podcast this week because I just really want to know, you know, what she has to say about it. So.
2: Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) welcome mom hello thank you for having
0: me welcome 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 so i guess let's hop into it i mean do you guys have anything to say about film frenzy before or this episode this movie before we hop into it
1: um i i only want to say that this one was kind of tough for me because um it's a good movie but it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of foreshadowing that i can find i'm hoping that you can Kind of point things out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was all... um, It's like a secret throughout the whole movie of what's really going on. Yeah. But I don't really pick up on a whole lot of um, foreshadow. So I don't know what your insight is on that. Um, It's a really good, just a crime drama. It's, I don't know, it's a good movie.
0: Yeah. I will say that this movie is so... The pacing is very good. And it's just so well done acting-wise, and, like, the, like, emotion, like, it really pulls emotion out of you mm-hmm. with this movie, I would say. Sean Penn made me cry at least two or three times, I will well, say.
1: that's one of the things, like, you know, you gotta go back in Sean Penn's um, career. You know, he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Everybody knows that movie. He played the stoner surfer that just had that teenager part to him. When you... When he advanced in his career and did this movie, he played such a good role. When the, the scene where he, um, he comes up on the, the accident and um, he breaks through and gets to where his daughter is actually dead in the um, the, the, the bear cage, he loses it. And it's such a good scene because it's so emotional and you can mm-hmm. feel it in his yeah. acting. He did oh, yeah. such a good job there. It almost too good of a job, you know. And, you know, re- referencing what we talked about with Heath Ledger, you can see how actors get into their part because in that scene, he was no longer Sean Penn. He was Jimmy Markham. You know, he was that mm-hmm. character he had to be in that and I can't imagine when they were filming that what it was like you know what i mean and i don't i don't see how they could do a a take after take after take because he would most likely been completely wore out from being that emotional
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: so if he didn't win any kind of awards for this movie um i really think that he should have because he did a really really good job
0: i think he might have gotten an oscar for this movie um i am pretty sure he got an oscar for this movie if not, yeah, he it's the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. So that would be an Oscar for Sean Penn in this movie.
1: Yes, very, very good acting in, on his part. And I think, honestly, all the actors in this one played really well off each other. I wouldn't say there was anybody that was bad at acting in this one. I think they yeah. they had a top-notch cast.
0: You're right. Um, Tim Robbins also got Best Supporting Actor and the... Academy Awards, uh, lots of Golden Globes, lots of awards for this movie. I'm looking at about, geez, like 16, 18 awards for this movie between Screen Actors Guild, Golden Globes, just other critics' movie awards, uh, National Board of Review, National Society of Film Critics. They This movie won a lot of awards.
1: Well, going back to 2003... I remember your mom actually went and saw this movie. I don't remember who she went with. I don't know if you do remember.
2: hmm
1: Okay. She doesn't want to say, but I don't. Regardless, she went and saw this movie. I didn't go. And when she came home, she was so excited about it. She goes, a great movie. Now, I get a little bit leery when I go to a movie, like actually go to the movies, because I've been disappointed so many times that it's got to be a movie that is, like, really hyped up and it's got to be a movie that I know is going to be good because there's been movies that we've gone and seen and it's such a letdown. I was like, I can't believe I just wasted two hours sitting in the theater watching that movie. This is one of the ones I wish I hadn't missed because she came home and she pretty much told me the plot and everything that happened. And I I don't want to say that she ruined it for me because even seeing it again and again and again, it's still... A good movie, you know? So I don't really know what it was like seeing it for the first time because I knew the end. But I think I was still surprised because I don't really remember the way she had explained it to me. But it's so well done that as it goes through, I don't think they give it away at any point, you know?
2: No. No. I will say that I think that this movie is one of those movies that no matter how many times you hear it, or you see it, it's always good. Like, I find myself always picking up something new. Like, even no matter how far in between, like, I'll look back and say, hey, that that was, you know, looking back on that scene or, or whatever, or what's coming forward. So, I mean, that's just me as like, you know, a normal movie watcher, not like a movie buff like you or whatever, but I mean, it's one of those movies that I never get bored of, which is nice. Yeah.
1: And that's the kind of stuff that's important to me when watching a movie like this, or any movie, that i got to be able to watch it more than once. I mean, there are movies that are good, and it's like, oh, that was good, I'm glad I saw it. But the movies that I could watch over and over and pick up little details, those are the movies that I'm really into.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why we like movies such as Inception and Shutter Island so much. It's because, you know, we're going back and we're rewatching them, and, you know, you see things that you didn't really see before, and... Um, this is a I think last week I said this was the third time I'd seen this movie the first time I had seen it I watched it with you guys Um, the second time I had seen it I saw it was on Netflix and I was like oh my gosh I like completely forgot about this movie I know my mom loves this movie I'm gonna watch it again and I think that was like two years ago or something so then you know I watched it again yesterday and uh, it just blew blew me away I mean because it had been long enough where I knew how it ended, I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't remember all of the details of it. So I think that that, even knowing the end, like you said, it it still makes it for a really good um, movie.
1: Right, and I think um, instead of there being foreshadowing, there's a lot of things that happen after the fact that refer to things that happened earlier in the movie. I picked up more yes. of that. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, Tim Robbins' character, Dave Boyle, he talks a lot about uh, the fact that he was kidnapped. And he always talks about the boy who escaped wolves. And how he was watching that vampire movie. And once it gets inside of you, you can't get it out. But that kind of more insinuates that he did kill Katie. But in reality, he didn't. So I don't know if his mind was really screwed up, which, I mean, it was, but I don't know if he felt kind of responsible for it in a way. I, I don't, that's where I don't understand where they were going with something like that.
2: I have a little bit different thoughts on that. I feel like he he feels bad that, you know, Katie was murdered or whatever, but I feel like it's almost like, He blames Jimmy and Sean for being the one who was kidnapped because he makes Comments in the movie like what if you were the one to get in the car, you know But I think it's almost like he feels bad to say it but kind of like he got what was coming to him I mean, that's kind of messed up, but I kind of picked up on that a little bit It could just be my mind thinking that but I, I know that he definitely has like feelings towards the two of them for basically not not saving him. Not that there was really anything they could have done, but, I mean, I think he holds a lot of resentment, which, I mean, anybody probably would.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because that is a very big part of this movie, is, you know, the beginning when Davy gets kidnapped. It, you know, basically shapes the entire movie, and there's a lot to this part that I picked up on, First of all, we have this whole struggle between these three guys, and it's almost like they're all jealous of each other for the role that they played in the kidnapping. Because Dave is jealous that the other two didn't get kidnapped, but the other two are almost jealous of Dave getting kidnapped because now all of this horrible stuff that's happening to them, they realize that if their life had been changed so drastically in the way that Dave's had you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened to him. You know, we talk, they talk about, um, the whole situation with Katie and, you know, Katie's mom. And she was, you know, like she was a pistol and, you know, she, um, Jimmy would have never had the balls to go up to her if, you know, what had happened to Dave had happened to him. You know, he would have never met Katie's mother and Katie would have never been born. And then he would have never, you know, had to deal with her murder. So it's, they all kind of do that, you know, and then you've got the whole situation with Sean and Lauren, and, you know, maybe Lauren wouldn't have laughed, or maybe he wouldn't have even met Lauren if, you know, he had been the one that was kidnapped instead. So it's kind of this cycle where they're all almost jealous of each other in this, like, twisted, fucked-up way.
1: Yeah, I picked that up with, the, with Jimmy, but not as much Sean. Like, when Jimmy's... Um, they're talking after um, he identifies his daughter. They're talking in the little cafe or whatever it is, and he's saying how... Um, you know, I blame myself and if I'd have been kidnapped, you know, that whole that whole scenario I did pick up on that and I thought that man, that's a really messed up way to blame yourself You know what I mean? And I understand his the point there Um, I didn't really see that as much with sean. I think that's kind of a stretch Um, but it's the same concept I guess
0: right well, and I think with the three of them you also see the different way the different ways that trauma can affect different people. They all went through the same traumatic experience. And, you know, it's kind of implied that Dave became a shut-in um, after after he came home. Um, Jibby got into crime, and Sean became a cop. So it's like they all took, you know, this is how I'm coping, going to get away from what happened, if that makes sense. Yes.
1: On a side note, what is it with us picking these movies that are taking place in Boston? how many is this now that they all have boston accents i mean i picked that up as soon as it turned on i was like oh yeah this movie's a boston based movie again yep
2: the
0: boston accent
1: and one other thing i want to comment on because this is kind of funny and i don't know if you saw it in the very beginning when dave gets kidnapped okay they open up the car door to put him in and there's a fucking random onion ring on the floor of the car Right. I don't know if you saw that. Every time I watch the movie, I just... I always notice that. And, you know, it's obviously because it's not really a cop car. It's just, you know, these these two guys' car. But it's just funny, this random onion ring of all things. I think it was put there because, you know, in the back seat of a car, if it's dirty, what's on the floor? It's either a french fry or an onion ring.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah.
1: whoever did that is genius for that.
0: Yeah. Um... Well, while we're talking about Dave's kidnapping, I want to point out something that I noticed. Okay. So, what are they doing before Dave is kidnapped? They're writing in... Cement. The cement. Yeah. They're writing in the cement. So, Jimmy writes his name. Sean writes his name. And then Dave writes D-A. Yes. And then gets cut off. That is symbolism for Dave's life being interrupted.
1: Hmm. You know, I was...
0: Because he's not Dave after that. I
1: tried really hard to pick something up from that. And I was almost thinking it was more like a he didn't finish kind of thing. I was looking yeah. at more like that. Like in the in the end, when he dies, I could have swore he said I wasn't done.
2: He said I wasn't ready.
1: He says I wasn't ready. So I I was thinking the whole movie's like, oh, that's what he's gonna say, and I'm gonna tie this into that. But it wasn't because I forgot. Mm-hmm. But I was searching like the whole movie's like, but what what can interpret that the the um. The name not being finished but that's Mm -hmm. a good analogy you know Um, it was interrupted
2: yeah
0: because you know they say like Dave died when he got in the back of that car like we never saw Dave again after that right they say that at the very Mm -hmm.
1: end yeah because he says when's the last time you saw Dave Dave Boyle and he says last time I saw Dave he was in the back of that car headed down this street
2: 25 years ago 25
1: years ago yeah and even now it's just kind of giving me chills because that's like the the uh, climax of the movie that's like it all comes together at that point
2: yeah yeah
1: and I'm wondering what you interpret whose movie this is who what who is this movie about Hmm. I mean you can argue it's about everyone involved But I I really point it towards Sean's movie. And it's a really... Maybe a stretch here, but...
0: Sean Penn's movie?
1: No, no, no. Sean the... um, Kevin Bacon, Sean Devine. Oh. That Sean. And I only say that because... In the beginning, you can tell he's got marital issues. And Mm -hmm. his is resolved in a positive way. So I almost look at... I I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for the happy ending. But in a way, his story is the happiest. You know what I mean? So in looking at it that way, it's really a a movie about him. Even though there's not a whole lot involved Mm -hmm. with him in in his situation. But Hmm. I don't know. That's the way I see it.
0: Hmm. I, I don't know. I would lean... I would lean to say that it's uh, Jimmy's movie. I mean, that's just me going based off of um, Sean Penn being selected as best leading actor. Um, but I don't know. I think it could go. I think it could go any of the three ways. I think that if you look at it from any perspective, it's gonna be any of them. Like I think that there are arguments for all three of them that work.
1: Right, but. I think it's mostly based on Jimmy because it's his daughter and, mm-hmm. you know, he's the one that they follow throughout the whole movie. So I guess you could really look at it as more his movie.
0: Yeah, I think that if we were to... Because this movie, I don't know if you know, is based off of a book by Dennis Lehane. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I actually looked it up because um, after the movie last night, Nate and I were talking about it, he was like, you know, I kind of wish that they would have given us more about this abduction because it's so important, but he's like, but I felt like I forgot about it because it happened in the beginning and then they kind of don't bring it up until like halfway toward the end. And you know, I thought about it. And I was like, you know, you're right. Like I would have also forgotten about it um, you know, given the circumstances. So I think that the movie is more of jimmy's story but i think that the book would be more of dave's story i haven't read it but that's the gist that i'm getting from what i'm reading about it
1: right
2: got any input ma no i mean i guess it could go i guess it could really go anyway um i would more lean towards it was jimmy's story like you said since you know it focuses on his daughter and, I mean, I think the reason Dave gets brought into it, like I said, almost, I don't know, like, he blames Jimmy for the abduction. So, I mean, it's it's obvious they weren't close after the abduction, but this kind of brings them all back together, which is kind of sad that it takes something like right. that. But, I mean, that's usually what happens even in real life. So, I mean... I don't know. I, I would tend to, to agree with Brooke that it's it's more of Jimmy's story, which kind of s- sucks for Dave. Because, like you said, it really should have focused a little more on him. I mean, and what he went through. But, I mean, it's great all over, you know. It could, like, when, like Daddy said, it could go any way. You know, you could right. make it about anybody specifically. But, that's all. So... I mean, if you don't have anything else, I want
0: to talk about when Dave gets abducted. Okay. So, we see Dave, he, obviously they target him because he's the only one that doesn't live there. So, he's the only one that, you know, doesn't, within a scream, isn't going to get, you know, an adult there for him. So, he gets into the back of the car, and the guy turns around, and he puts his hand over the back of the the seat and you see he's got a ring with a cross on it now this movie takes place in Boston okay and this part takes place during the 1970s which was the time where we had all the pedophile priests problems so that guy being a priest is fucked up and then this movie has a lot of um, heavy like Catholicism imagery you know with the having Sean Penn's other daughter You know, doing her christening, so that was just um, a fucked up moment that I wanted to point out. First communion. Yeah. What did I say? Christening. Yeah. Christening. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wrong movie. Not The Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's I wanted to point that out because obviously it seems that religion is important to at least one character in this movie, and then for the other character to have his life destroyed by. Uh, somebody who's supposed to be, you know, somebody you look up to within that religion, I think that that's also means something.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: If you notice towards the end, when they get um, Dave back into the car with the Savage Brothers, when he turns around, he yeah. does the same yep. mo- motion.
1: Yeah, we picked up on that as you know. well.
0: Yeah, foreshadowing, mm-hmm. you know. His death. Dave's not coming back. Yeah.
1: I don't, see, I don't have much on... The middle of the movie my interest is more towards the end and, and the weird messed up stuff I seen referring earlier because I have a couple good points and I'm wondering if you picked up mm-hmm. on them as well okay um, we're just gonna jump all over with this one because it's hard to go in a timeline because so much stuff happens that doesn't it doesn't really make sense to discuss it's more like mm-hmm. a, let's hit it with the facts, you know. Um, fact number one, Jimmy's wife, Annabeth, is an asshole.
2: I hate her. Yeah, she's a freak.
1: Because, obviously, Katie comes from another mother, and she's basically the stepdaughter. And she I don't feel like she gets the respect. And in a way, I think that, their marriage is what is driving Katie away. I think that Annabeth came in and basically took Katie's dad from her. And she's looking to get out of here. And in a way, her dating Brendan is kind of a fuck you to him. But oh, yeah. but not just a, oh, I'm just going to go with this loser. Because he's really, he's not. And I think that he wants to get out of the situation because he's not in a great situation either. Mm -hmm. so moving forward with that um when sean and his partner go to brendan's house when they finally figure out that brendan was dating her they go to his house and they sit him down and they just want to question him and they hit him right away with well you know she's dead and he gets that look of shock on his face and it's like instant like "Well, well i didn't kill her and you can just see how legitimately upset he is. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the mother doesn't know. And she says, oh, so you're, you're trying to leave? No, no, no I was, was going to tell you, Ma, you know. Um, and then the brother comes in, Ray Jr., with his friend. And it's like, boom, right there. It's not even foreshadowing, but you look back and you think, oh, man, they're there. The cops are there and basically they're looking for those two. But they don't even know it at the time.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So moving forward to the um, them tracking down the gun. Okay, they go to track down the bullet, and Bruce Wayne must be involved in this because they take the bullet out of the wall and analyze the bullet. Okay, we're talking <laughs> Dark Knight here. So anyway, they match the bullet up to a gun that was used in the robbery there. Okay, turns out to be um, Just Ray, and that's where Just Ray is introduced. For the second time, I believe. But it's what the shop owner says to them. He says, I know who did it because he was in here the next day with this fucking grin on his face. And he goes, at that point, I just knew that he did it. Okay? Right. So now we fast forward to the end of the movie. When you have Celeste, who is Dave Boyle's wife. And you have Annabeth, who is Jimmy's wife. And Celeste calls, and they're our cousins, right? Right. So Celeste calls Annabeth, and she's, she's telling her about the whole Dave Boyle thing and how um, he, she thinks that he killed Katie and all this stuff. But at the end of the movie, they're at the parade, and now Celeste is on the other side of the street, just lost her husband, doesn't know where Dave's at, And Annabeth is looking across the street at her and she's got this fucking grin on her face. Right. And it's just like, uh, well, sorry you had such bad luck. You know what I mean? It's just that, that grin and it just bothered me. And I associate it to the same situation where she knows what the truth is, but it's I I don't care.
2: Right. Yeah. I just want to throw out there, like going back to the acting with Sean Penn and how great he was like this movie is what made me like fall in love with him as an actor like i think he's awesome but on the flip side laura lenny this movie made me hate her so it's really weird because i watch other things with her but i can't associate her as not being a bitch and one of the contributing factors to that was the scene right before the parade where oh, yeah. he's standing at the, the window, you know, and he's feeling remorseful. I made a mistake by killing Dave, whatever. And she basically, like, talks him out of being wrong. You know, like, mm-hmm. you're the king and you're protecting us. She doesn't, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, like, it's almost like he just forgets about what he did. And he's fine. That that scene to me was really symbolic of what an asshole she was and how much she really didn't care for Katie. Like, I almost feel like she's glad she died. Right. But, I mean, that's just my opinion, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that you are right about her not caring for Katie. I mean, obviously, we get that at the very beginning when, um, you know, she says something about, oh, she's going to ruin this day like she does every every other else day or whatever. Um, because even when, you know, they're like, she's like mourning, air quotes, mourning Um, you know, the cops show up at our house and she's like, and Celeste goes, oh, I'm going to get her pack of cigarettes or whatever. Um, So she leaves and uh, Annabeth opens the door and she's just like, she doesn't look
2: stressed.
0: Yeah, you're right. She like doesn't look upset. She just is existing,
2: you know? She's playing the part.
1: And, you know, even moving forward with um, the conversation that your mom was just having about um, Jimmy was feeling remorseful. Once he gets back down to the street and he's watching the parade, you can tell that it's all back to, yeah, I don't care anymore. I did the right thing. And Sean's looking at him across the street and he does the the, the hand gesture with the gun. Like, basically, I'm going to get you. And he throws his hands up in the air like, yeah, oh, well, come and get me, you know. So, yeah, exactly. yeah you can see that he lost the, the remorse for what he did.
0: Yeah. Right, well, because she makes it out like, you know, you did what you had to do. You did what you had to do here, and you did what you had to do to protect your family. And it's, like, very obviously implied throughout this movie that Katie is his favorite, um, or, like, was his favorite. Um, and you can see that, and I can give you an example of that, because I didn't even know the third daughter's
2: name until halfway through the movie. Right. He, he says that on the porch when he's sitting on the porch with Dave. He said, you know, Katie was really neat, you know, she was a great kid, whatever. And I loved her the most. Yeah, he says exactly. that. Yeah.
1: And you can you can tell that he's upset about it when his friend comes over and um they're having all the, the guests at the house or whatever and he's tossing the beers in the in the cooler and his friend's talking to him and he said, you know, um how do you feel right now? And he says, you know, I don't know how to feel right now. I'm numb. He goes, well, when it finally kicks in, it's going to hurt like hell. You know, I remember when my, I think it was Jenny, when my Jenny died or whatever. And then he starts with the, you you know, she died in her sleep. She died peacefully. My daughter was beaten to death and you can just see how um, straightforward and ruthless he is about being, you know, that upset about it.
2: That was actually his father-in-law.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, so, but that just goes to show you what kind of people they are. You know, his daughter's an asshole, obviously, because she didn't care. And now he's saying, you know, I'm basically saying, I'm sorry your daughter died, but you need to be there for my daughter and her kids and your kids with her. So it's kind of like, you know, I was glad that Jimmy stuck up for himself and was like, and said that, like, you know, Janine or whatever died in her sleep. My daughter was beat to death, basically. So it just goes to show you the mentality of the father-in-law and how it, it it's the same as the daughter or as his wife, his current wife.
0: Yeah, that was a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, so I guess moving forward, let's talk about Dave and Dave's situation that makes him look sus okay so dave's whole thing is the night that katie died he came home stabbed in the stomach or sliced in the stomach with blood all over his hands and his hand beats okay so you know this is what makes dave an unreliable narrator throughout the film is that he can't keep his story straight about what happened
1: yeah he changes the story of all his injuries multiple times throughout the movie
0: Right. So, it starts off, you know, it was a mugger. I bashed his head into the street. Then, you know, you move forward and, oh, I got my hand stuck in a garbage disposal. Um, I sliced it trying to get a ball over a fence. You know, it's it's all of these stories. And you know what? Jimmy says it best at the end when he says, most people don't care if a child molester dies. i most people. I don't care if a child molester dies. Sorry. But nobody would have judged him if he had just said... I beat the shit out of this guy because he was doing bad things to little boys. You know, I finally got my, you know, relief from being able to do that. Nobody was gonna be an asshole to him about that. Like, obviously he can't tell the police because, you know, he'll get arrested. But if he had just told Jimmy that from the start, then he wouldn't have gotten himself
2: into that situation. But I think, I don't think he trusts anybody. Like that's what it comes down to. I don't think he trusted Jimmy enough to tell him that. Because you gotta remember his his brain his mind is, is fucked. This that induction totally he's not the same person. Oh, yeah. He doesn't I'm sure he has PTSD like he has to. And back then, I mean, would they have even thought of, you know, treating a kid for that? So you have to think like he probably lives in this world where he can't trust anybody. So he's afraid to tell the truth. That that's what I think.
1: I think that he doesn't want to admit that mm. he's turning into the wolf. You know, he keeps using that term. You know, the men, the boy who escaped wolves. I don't think I don't think he wants to come to the realization that he's going to become somebody like that. Not saying that he necessarily did something bad. He obviously did a good thing. You know, he was like a superhero there. He he went in and he saved this kid, but. Right. In a way, he doesn't want to become what Jimmy is. He doesn't want to be a murderer. He doesn't want to be a bad guy. He wants to be a good guy.
0: Yeah, and it just goes into... I, I also want to talk about, for a second, I think that it's really interesting that he uses the vampire metaphor and the boy who cried wolf metaphor. Because those are definitely metaphors you would associate with like a child. So I think that it really shows how stunted he is because of everything that happened to him, which is really interesting and really well done.
1: Right. And, you know, you talk about him, you know, he has that child mentality, Dave. But you know what? Dave's smart. And Mm -hmm. the the biggest point that is made through this movie that's so smart is when they try and um, rope him into the whole car thing and... The partner Mm -hmm. basically steals the car from outside the house and says oh it was abandoned it was um it was abducted the car was abducted and you know they abandoned the car and you know we have it and sean's like what are you doing you can't do something like that you know he doesn't want to admit that you know dave possibly did something wrong and in the end sean was right he did he wasn't involved in this but regardless so they have him in the interrogation room and he, they think they've got him, you know. Oh, you know, there's blood in the car. And uh, it's your blood. Well, you know, I sliced my stomach, you know, doing, you know, getting the ball over the fence. Oh, right, what about the blood in the trunk? He goes, I don't know anything about blood in the trunk. Oh, you don't know about a quart of blood in the trunk of your car? No. Just like you said, the car was taken. So whoever took the car, you better be talking to them because obviously they were up to no good. And at that point, Sean's like, right. oh, my God. Like, what did you just do? They, they... He had them. There was nothing they could do. And then Sean's talking to him outside the room. He's like, you know, we just got our asses kicked in there. You know?
0: Yeah, he's definitely smart.
1: So Dave, Dave's smart.
0: A little bit of foreshadowing that occurred um, was definitely when we see Katie get into her car and um, Brendan is hiding in the back seat and he grabs her and she, like, freaks out. Definitely foreshadow for, you know, what's going to happen to her because she dies in the car. Um, later.
1: Right. And I guess they never, I, I guess they do say it, but I never really saw it this way.
0: hmm Well, not really.
1: What happened to her was random. Correct? The brother didn't, well, from what they say, she wasn't targeted by them. But I guess you could argue that she was because mm-hmm. the brother knew that he was going to leave with her. So possibly they did it on purpose, but they also said that they were trying to scare who was ever in the car. They laid down in the street and um, tried to scare who was ever there so that they would swerve.
2: I don't think that the brother knew he was leaving. Nobody knew he was leaving because I'm pretty sure at one point he asked you were going to leave. I don't think the brother knew that he was leaving but he was definitely jealous of katie for sure but i don't know that that he meant to kill her
0: that's a good point i think that um it was probably just you know happened kind of by chance and then that would be why he wasn't like that upset about it um because you know they have that whole conversation when they're um in the room together and um Silent Ray is speaking sign language, and I don't speak sign language, I know a little bit, um, but at the end, he signed girl, which is, you know, moving your hand next to your jaw, like, twice or something, and, um, so what we deduced from that was him saying she's just a girl, like, it was just a girl, she's just a girl, you're never, you know, whatever, um, so I don't know if that's him, um, being jealous of Katie just in general or if that is I killed her and you know I don't want you to think you know anything else kind of thing like I don't want you to think that I had a stake in this
2: they also never really say who did what like they don't say who beat her with the hockey stick like I don't know if it was both of them I mean I'm just assuming that it was little Ray that shot her because it was his dad's gun
1: I look at it the opposite you think I the other at, one was the I look at Ray as the one that did the beating and the friend is the one because only because he had the gun at the end and Ray was constantly walking around with the hockey stick mm. I mean that's the way it's implied through the movie so I would I would assume that's the way it went and even says you know um, Jimmy asks you know the beating that she took well, Ray Jr. had a hockey stick. So, I mean, it doesn't really... They don't really say it, but they imply it.
0: Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I mean, it probably was one of those, you know, teenage boy situations where it's like, oh, you know, my dad has a gun. Well, oh, let me see your dad's gun. And then, you know, they were fucking around, and then obviously, you know, whatever. Um, I do think that it's interesting how they throw that line in from the very beginning, because the first time you find out katie died is through the 911 call you hear the 911 call at the minute in the beginning and you know they say oh you they want to know what her name is so i mean obviously that would be suspicious to anyone so i don't know why it took them so long to pick up on that i mean obviously you know they didn't listen to the 911 call or whatever
1: um right the the investigators did not listen to it
2: Now what are your thoughts on the fact that Ray is really mute because I feel like he can really talk and it's all an act. What do you think? Hmm.
0: I mean it could be from like trauma because there are kids who like aren't really mute but they're like mute because of like traumatic experiences so I don't
1: right like they have the ability to talk they right. just don't so talk i
0: don't so maybe he isn't like actually like like maybe he can't actually speak
2: but like he can you know what i mean so i don't know but remember brendan brendan when he's when he figures out what happened and he has him on the floor he said tell me you love me i know you can talk right. i know you can talk and the fact that the other kid I, we're assuming is the one that called 911 and he's asking the kid they want to know her name like he's mm-hmm. expecting the other person to answer i don't know i just always assumed that he was really like hmm. could talk
1: you know that's a really good point i never really picked up on that but you're right um he says on the 911 tape you know he says um you know what's your name? Oh, they want to know her name. So yes, he's talking to somebody in the background. I mean, you could also say that. Well, maybe he was going to sign and say, but you know, he's talking to him like he is going to respond. Right. You know. So there is a there is that possibility that's an act, and he you know he can really talk. Um, Brendan I obviously thinks that it's a possibility.
0: Yeah. Huh. I never really thought too much about all that, but I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Um, especially leaning towards if it's like a mute with trauma thing, like it could be anything. Obviously, their mom is an asshole, so I mean, I can see, you know, why that would happen.
1: Yeah, and she, totally throws Brendan under the bus when they're having their little interrogation at yeah. the house. They're like, you know, when, when, you know, what time did you get home? You know, he goes, I was here all night, and they look at the mom and say, you know, can you can you confirm that? She's like, well, you know. I can confirm that he went to his bedroom at 10 o'clock and he came down for breakfast at 9 o'clock, but I can't guarantee he didn't sneak out of the window. And it's like, wow, you asshole.
0: Right. So that just goes to show what kind of person she is, you know. And I mean, I don't really blame the kid for wanting to leave.
1: Right. Obviously, she was butthurt because he mm-hmm. was going to leave and go and live with her. And, you know, and then the brother tells him, you know, mom says you're better off. Oh, yeah, I'm better off? Right. That's a shame, you know.
0: I think I want to bring up something because I don't know if this is um, a story you've ever told on the podcast, but you've definitely told it to me. Um, And it made me think of it when they're in the interrogation room and they're interrogating Brennan about his dad. You know, he's like, oh, um, you know, my... What do you remember about my dad? Oh, nothing. I was six years old. You know, he, he always had change in his pocket. And he would always <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he would always make me guess how much change. And if I was close or I got it, he would tell me how much.
1: Yes, that is a story I would tell you. But that was a story that my father yeah. did with us. So my dad always had change in his pocket. And he would play a game with us. And he would tell us how many pennies he had. So you knew that, you know, what the what the amount would come out to be, you know, if it was two cents over or whatever. And he said, always said that if you could guess how much he had, he would give it to you. No questions asked, he would give it to you. So he'd he'd hold his hands and he'd shift back and forth and, and he'd close his hands. He'd be like, Okay, how much? And we'd always guess and oh we were always wrong. Well, nope, you're not right today and he'd put the change away. Well, then I was bold one day and I was like, man, I got all this change. Dad, I'm going to play the change game with it." He's like, okay, I got four pennies. Okay. And I do the thing. And it was like, I don't know. I'd have to ask him, but he knows exactly how much it was. So let's say it was, he says 458. Okay. So I start counting the change and I'm counting it out and I'm counting out. and He's watching me count it out. And it's like, uh, you know, $4 and 38 cents, 48 cents. And I look at him. And he puts his hand out, and I had to give him the money. <laughs> and I was so upset. But you know what? That was one of the best lessons I was ever taught. It was one of those, if you don't want to lose, don't bet. And my, and my mom was like, you can't do that to him. you got to take it. He said, no. He played the game, and he lost. He's not getting it back. Big lesson. <laughs>
2: That's a cool story. Like, I've heard it a lot. Um, but going back to the movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I like to get no, it's sometimes. still about the whole change thing. And I don't know if you guys heard this, but in the interrogation room, you know, he's like, I remember my dad always had change in his pocket and he like jingled or whatever when he walked. But I don't know if you remember or picked up in the scene in the bar at the end with Dave and the Savage Brothers. And they're talking about just Ray. And the one brother says... They should have called him Jingling Ray because he always jingled whenever he walked, which was kind of neat. Pick up on that. I mean, yeah, they're sitting in the booth and he it. says that.
1: Uh, now I have to watch the movie again because I don't know if I've ever heard that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: Going back a little bit, I think that um, it's really interesting how they portray katie and jimmy's relationship i think that it the way that they show his parental instinct is interesting and i think that they do a really good job because you can see that he can feel that something's off from the second he wakes up that morning and gets that phone call that she's not there you can tell he's like this is weird this is weird Um, Because, you know, he calls a friend's house, she's not there. And even specifically with um, the communion scene, you see um, the way he keeps looking at the door. And he just, like, it just doesn't, like, you can see, like, in his, like, face and his eyes that it's just not sitting right with him. Because he knows that, you know, she has done this before. Like, he knows that she has, like, skipped out on things. But something about this time you can tell it's different so i thought that that, they did a really good job with that
2: well i think it goes all goes back to the look Mm -hmm. remember how he told them she gave him the look that it was like the last time she was ever gonna see him so i think that really like Mm -hmm. stuck with him and it's funny that you mentioned like parental instinct like it's a real thing like you'll understand someday but I mean it is like you can sense when there's something off with your kid and I mean he played such a great part like he he really was her right. dad you know what I mean like he played like that was his real daughter which I think is what made it so intense and he just yeah he was great
1: yeah we were commenting on that as he's sitting in a church and he's looking over his shoulder and it's like wow he knows mm-hmm. right then And even when he wakes up in the morning because the phone rings and it's one of those, well, this isn't right. You know, it's just you had you kept having that feeling that he knew.
0: Yeah. Yeah. From the second even when he got to the crime scene and, you know, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm just curious, you know, and then he sees the car and he's like, oh, my God, like, how how could I be right? Like, why am I right this time? You know, so I, I just think that they really did a good job with that and he played it really well.
1: And then they talk about um, the whole $500 thing, how they, you know, they ask Brendan, you know, why didn't your mother file a missing persons report? Because it's not missing. What do you mean it's not missing? Well, he sends $500 every month, like clockwork. Right. You know, and that's... I don't know if that's a foreshadow, but it's a, it's a reality of, you know, that's what Jimmy does now. And I wonder how many people... Has he done this too? You know what I mean? Obviously, he's wealthy in some way, shape, or form, whether it's because he's a thief or he's into some kind of organized crime, or he just does well with his convenience store. Right. Who knows? But, you know, when Sean is questioned at the end, it's, are you going to send Dave Boyle's family $500 a month too? Exactly. So that all comes around full circle. And I don't know if you really understand it at the time that... Jimmy killed Ray when they say the whole $500 Mm -hmm. thing to Brendan, or when Brendan tells them, rather.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's interesting because, you know, he says toward the end, you know, I thought I was done dumping people in the river. Um, So that just goes to show he obviously has done this more than once, and, you know, how many people has he actually done it to? How many people is he sending money to every month so that he doesn't get caught? Um, Right. So... I mean who knows and you know that could just go into because you know the checks are coming from Ray so I mean how many accounts does he have open in other people's names you know is this a money-laundering some sort of money laundering operation Um, because I find it very hard to believe that he's not um, a part of organized crime I mean that's very heavily implied just um, through the way he's dressed um, it taking place in Boston um, you know, the Savage Brothers, it's, it's very heavily implied that he is into some sort of organized crime in some way, shape, or form.
1: Right, definitely.
0: Mm, let's talk about, actually, let's talk about Sean and Lauren, because I don't really understand them. Um, I think that she obviously left him, and she calls him every day, and she just doesn't speak.
1: Right, and they have a daughter.
0: Who he doesn't know the name of
1: until the end. Until the end. It's Nora.
0: Right, right. Well, she's a baby, and obviously she was born after she left.
1: But, yeah, they never say what the issue is with anybody. But she just up and left, and, you know, obviously he keeps everything the same since she left because he does say that.
2: Well, in the one phone call, he says, is he with you? Mm -hmm. So that implies to me that she left him for somebody. And then, you know, when he apologized and everything at the end, when she comes back on the phone. I mean, so that's kind of what I got, that maybe he wasn't giving her the attention she needed and she kind of had somebody else who was, so she ran off with them. Right. I
0: think that... I mean, obviously, this is Sean learning, you know, that he has to kind of go with his gut. Like, that's his thats his lesson in all of this, is that he needs to go with his gut. So, I guess his gut is telling him to apologize. I mean, you know, I think seeing Dave, um, you know, well, not seeing, but kind of coming to the conclusion that Jimmy killed Dave, I think it it kinda pushes him to realize, you know, I life is short and I need to apologize for things even if I didn't do them. So I think it, it kinda has something to do with that. Um, because there's a lot going on in that final scene between the two of them on that road. So I'm not I'm not totally a hundred percent sure, but I he definitely comes to some sort of conclusion about having to apologize and, you know, basically kinda man up if he wants his life to be normal, I guess
1: right, and it's probably implied that he is probably in the situation like this because he works a lot, and yeah. that's why she possibly wasn't getting enough attention and decided to leave kind of thing.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. but I do want to talk about the final scene because I think that I think that they do a lot of interesting things with it, okay, so let's talk about it. The scene starts out, Jimmy is sitting on top of the sewer cap, well, the sewer, that the balls all get swallowed down into.
1: Right, they're back on the original street.
0: Right. And he's just killed Dave. So once again, he's in this position when Dave is gone. Quote, unquote, gone. Now, this time he's actually dead. But I thought that it was interesting that they placed them back on that street for the symbolism to go along with it, which obviously comes into play later when he says, you know, the last time I saw Dave, he was driving down that street 25 years ago. Um, But it really brings the whole movie full circle. Um, And then that's when you finally see um, the slab of concrete again with all of their names on it. Now, I think that the second time you see it, it has um, a different implication than the first time. Because the first time, you know, it's... The life being interrupted it's Dave's life being interrupted but I think this time you see it again and the reason that you see it again is because he doesn't get to finish his life because they took it good point Jimmy and Sean are gonna finish their lives the way that God intended them to but Dave isn't because Jimmy wouldn't let him basically
1: mm-hmm. yeah I can see it that way Um, but real quick, the scene before that, I thought that's what you wanted to talk about where they actually kill Dave. It's Uh, got, it's, it keeps jumping back and forth. Yes. It shows Jimmy and, Jimmy and the boys and Dave, and then it's jumping to, um, Brendan and the brother. And it's, it's, it's like every time something happens, boom, they flip over the other one. So it's a lot of back and forth but it's it works so well because it's telling two different parts of the story at the same time Mm -hmm. because at that part you're thinking okay did dave really do it and then Mm -hmm. he's basically reassuring dave that just tell me the truth and i won't kill you so he just says okay now does he really believe him right i don't know if it's dave's ready to die at this point but i don't think he is because he was even saying I wasn't ready. But what do you think he was saying he wasn't ready for? Death? Yeah. I don't know. I think there's more to it than that. I think that's just too obvious. I think that he was saying he wasn't ready. I don't know.
0: Maybe he wasn't ready to grow up. I think that might have been it. I think that because, you know, going back to those two guys, you know, kidnapping him, he had to grow up real fast after that. You know, this horrible traumatic experience happened to him and you know he was forced to grow up not because he wanted to not because he had aged to that point but because you know he had to grow up because he had to deal with you know all this traumatic shit that was going on inside of his head and I mean this was the 70s like we don't know what child psychology was like in the 70s we don't know if there was you know any Thing that would have even remotely, like, led to studying PTSD in children. I mean, obviously, um, up until a certain point, they only believed that soldiers could have PTSD. So, I mean,
2: they didn't...
0: It's possible that they just didn't know. And, you know, he just never
2: thought to get help after that. But was it even even anything that was studied in the 70s? Right. We don't know. Yeah. Because I know
0: that, um... PTSD was originally uh, called shell shock, and they kind of realized it after World War II, when people were coming back from war and, like, thinking that they were still in war. Um, you know, they talk about it in Stand By Me, which takes place in the 50s. So it definitely was a thing, but they pro- they might not have realized that it could just happen to anyone at that point. Right. But, like, don't take that. serious I am not (laughs) a psychology major or do I study psychology um but I think that this movie was really hard to watch and analyze and have things to talk about because I just I felt myself getting so sucked into it because like I said the pacing is amazing and the acting it just really like it really like sucks you in it's really hard to like look away and Um, you know try and jot down what you're thinking because you're just so engrossed
1: yeah that's what i feel it's not much of a movie you can really analyze because it's pretty much laid out for you it's more just like symbolism you know not as much foreshadow and i mean it has it's 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 a twist ending but it's not a twist ending you know it's not your typical twist ending it's just basically you find out what the real story is at the end you know right Because you really don't know what the real story is. You just assume, because Dave's acting weird, but it's never implied that he did anything, you know? That it's just... Right. You know, you assume that it's possible he did it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, you assume what everyone around you assumes. Um, But this movie is narratively one where you only see... um, what the characters see and that's why I think I would lean more towards this being um Jimmy or Sean's movie because they know you kind of see what they know more than you see what Dave knows you don't know what Dave knows you don't know what Dave did um so I think narratively it's very interesting from that perspective but I think um that's all I really have to talk about.
1: No, I think we're unless we're anybody good has on anything
0: else that they'd like to analyzation
1: add. Analyzation of this one. No. Analysis.
0: Analysis. <laughs>
1: analyzation. It's not a word.
2: <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't think so.
1: So <laughs> moving forward with this film frenzy project of ours we talked about this briefly last week how we want to spice it up a little bit and we're gonna do movies blind from now on we're just we have a we put eight movies into a randomizer on the phone And we're going to do this for the next eight episodes. And we'll let the wheel decide what we're going to watch. And then maybe after that, we'll do something a little bit different. But it makes it a little interesting for us. So, you came up with four movies. And I have four movies. And I have to admit that some of these movies that you put on there kind of freaking me out because I don't (laughs) know them. So... I hope that it's not a disappointment, but you said they're really good, so I'm going to believe you.
0: So do we want to tell them what eight movies are on the wheel? I think we should tell them. We'll give them a sneak peek of what's coming.
1: The eight movies are going to be Rounders, Step Brothers, which is going to be really fun to do, I think. The Goonies, which is a total classic in my book. Us, which I don't know what that is. Lady Bird, which I don't know what that is. My Girl, sad to say, I really love that movie. (laughs) I really, really like that movie. Um, The Godfather, which is a total classic, and I don't believe that you have actually seen the whole thing.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm a bad film student.
1: (laughs) And The Social Network, which I like, but the more I analyze that one, I don't like. But I really like it. I like the acting in that one.
0: Gosh. Very excited (laughs) to talk about Army Hammer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Let's not get into that right now, but yes. (laughs) You want me to go ahead and spin and find out what we're going to do?
0: Yeah, let's spin the wheel.
1: Okay, we're going to go ahead and spin the wheel and we're going to see what we come up with. Here we go. Oh, it's so exciting. Not so exciting anymore. It's (laughs) Lady Bird.
2: Oh, well, that's
0: a good one.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we're going to do Lady Bird, which is a movie that you picked.
0: Lady Bird is a movie from 2017. It's directed by Greta Gerwig. Got Saoirse Ronan in it, um, as well as Timothy Chalamet, uh, Laurie McAlf, um some other people. It's very much a coming-of-age movie. Um, definitely very surrounding um, that transition uh, from right toward the end of high school into college. Very good movie. Um, Golden Globe winner. Um, it won a lot of awards. I think it was also nominated for an Oscar, very much, um, an Oscar awards movie type thing. Um, very good. Uh, I like it a lot. It's very fun. It's available on Netflix and it is one hour and 35 minutes approximately, like I said, google lies sometimes. So, um, like I said, really good. I think that, um, it is enjoyable. I think we'll all like it very much.
1: Well, I'm going to try it because you put it on there. But if it sucks, I'm going to flat out tell you that it sucked. (laughs) Okay, so I'll I'll keep an open mind and I'll try my best. But we'll see. I'll have to watch a trailer on it, get myself a little hyped up for it.
0: Yeah, it's good. I think that you'll enjoy it. I think that it's kind of a chick flick movie, but it's very much um, a coming of age story. We got the boy coming of age story. Now we got the girl coming of age story so I think hey not... I
1: am all on board with a good chick flick
0: yeah there you go it's I like it a lot I find myself um, you know relating to the characters because she's like weird like that's her whole thing is that she's weird and you know she just wants to like she I don't remember what her actual name is but she wants to be called Lady Bird like and she just wants to be like this like weird like free spirit and you know she's only like 17 or 18 and people are like no you kind of need to start to be an adult now So it's very good, um, and it does a very interesting thing with, like, mother-daughter relationships, and I think that it is very relatable.
1: Okay, so where can we watch this movie?
0: You can watch it on Netflix currently. Um, That's the place that it's been for a while now. Um, Like I said, hour, 35-minute runtime. um, Yeah.
1: Okay, well, Lady Bird next week.
0: And if you are not currently following us on social media... Uh, You can follow us at facebook.com slash filmfrenzypodcast or at Instagram, filmfrenzypodcast, all one word on both. We are always looking for movie suggestions to add to the wheel later. Um, You know, we have the next eight weeks covered, but if you have something else, drop it. Maybe we'll throw it in there if it's super interesting. We'll see. Um, I just want to thank my mom
2: for being a special guest on Film Frenzy this week. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this
1: was so exciting. We made history here.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, more guests to come in the future, hopefully. Um, interesting people in our lives that you'll get to meet. So, I think that that wraps us up for this week.
1: Alrighty, sounds good to me.
0: Alright. And signing off, until next week.
1: Until next week. And, Shannon, till next time. <laughs> I'm <laughs>